0: the most important thing that we are to do is not just to get plugged into a community of faith here on earth, but to go to Jesus, the friend of sinners, to call out to him, to ask him for the help that we need in the area of life we're in, to refresh our hearts, to encourage us, to lift us up. Uh, He's the friend of sinners that never leaves us. In every season of life, in every part of our life, Jesus is the one who's with us. And so we can take great joy and comfort in that.
1: Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor. I'm here with my brother in the Lord and co-laborer, Pastor Daniel Ventura. It's good to be with you again, brother. Good to be with you too, brother. So this past Sunday, we were considering again our mission as a church, and we're looking at that second part, which is to encourage and equip God's people. So, Pastor Daniel, what text did you draw from to show us the meaning of that aspect of our mission?
0: Yes, we looked at Ecclesiastes four verses four through sixteen. And we considered a few verses there that really highlight the call to be plugged into a community of faith. The main point that we saw in this section was that God, in his wisdom, created human beings for community. He created us to live in vital union, ultimately, with Jesus Christ and a living relationship with the Lord who made us. But he also called us to live in the church and a body of believers where we could be encouraged, where we could be strengthened in the faith.
1: That's a good word, brother. And it's so important, as you and I were talking about before we started to record this podcast. This is a vitally important topic in our American society, far more than I think many of us realize and recognize. And so I thought, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about how that idea of us being created for community, not just for ourselves, not to live for ourselves, but created to live in a community with others is countercultural and also absolutely necessary for us to recapture as a people. A few years ago, I read a book, The Second Mountain, by author David Brooks. I highly recommend it. Throughout the book, he's presenting the fact that there are basically two moral worldviews that are set before us in our day. So when we wake up in the morning, we can either live in an individualistic worldview, which puts the desires of the ego me, myself, and I at the Mm -hmm. center. Or the relationist worldview, which puts relation, commitment, and others at the center and the desires of our heart for community there. Then he goes on to say that, you know, there's always this balance between self and society. In some ages and sometimes in contexts, the pressures of the group become stifling and crush the self. Mm -hmm. We can perhaps think of certain communist societies where or other societies in in the East that suppress the individual too much. And in such context, individuals feel a desperate need to break free and express their individuality. But David Brooks says that in our age and in our context, by contrast, the self is inflated and the collective is weak. And we have swung too far in the direction of individualism and the result is a loss of connection, a crisis of solidarity. And you talked about that a bit too in your sermon, Pastor Daniel, how um, we're just no longer connected to one another, even though there are a lot of technological advances that claim to connect us all the more. Yeah. Any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, that's really important to consider, especially you know with a couple of years of going through COVID as a society as well. I think it magnifies that isolation that people are feeling and it really does put us in our own little echo chambers at times when it comes to the issues of the world. And, and yeah, I think Brooks is right on the money in regards to highlighting how we have become such a radically individualistic kind of culture. You know, Ecclesiastes would say there's nothing new under the sun in mm. that regard. And, yeah. and here he does highlight some of those same selfish pitfalls that we feel that are individualistic. He highlights things like envy and how we go about making money and trying to serve ourselves so that we could show that we're better than other people and better mm. than our neighbor. Mm. He highlights people who are lazy and who don't actually care about their neighbor, but you know they, they deplete their own resources and their own self-worth by not using their gifts to help other people. And he highlights people who are, like today, radically busy. Uh, these people are always busy working or doing something. But preacher of Ecclesiastes says, they never stop and ask, for whom am I toiling? Right? And he highlights how this person doesn't have any meaningful connections. He doesn't have a son or a brother that he could give his inheritance to. He doesn't have anybody that he could actually share the good things of life with. Mm -hmm. And so that's very much like today where people might be ascending that first mountain, right, of self-fulfillment through, you know, the ego, Mm -hmm. but they don't Mm -hmm. actually get to enjoy life in that community that we're made for.
1: That's right. And like you said, nothing new is under the sun. This is something that the Apostle Paul addressed as well in his letters. And one text that parallels really nicely with this passage in Ecclesiastes is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 to 15. And we hear from the Apostle Paul a lot of the similar commands, and we hear him calling the Christians in that day and age, in that place, to a deep sense of community. He says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing, We see a lot of similar commands and a lot of the similar pitfalls that are mentioned there in Ecclesiastes Paul is addressing there uh, encouraging the Thessalonians in those ways.
0: Yes, what you said is connected here with what the preacher is saying in regards to how we're made for community and he gives us, you know, three different reasons why community is necessary for us. He says first, we need community for when we fall. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. In the ancient Near East, when you're traveling, we didn't have street lights and people didn't have LED flashlights, right? So they would often travel at night and when they were traveling at night, you could be susceptible to falling, right? You could fall into a pit that was maybe made for animals to fall into to trap them you could fall off in a ravine. There are many dangerous things. And if you were to fall into, say, a pit, you wouldn't want to be by yourself. It might be difficult to get out. And that's why the preacher says, woe to him who is alone when he falls, right, and has not yet another to lift him up. And we need each other in this life when we fall, not just physically, but we need each other for when we fall into more serious situations, when you fall into sin, when we fall into bad, destructive habits. When we fall into hardships of various kinds in this life, we need brothers and sisters who could help lift us up in those seasons of life. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And there we hear that important reminder to be able to help each other when we fall or when we're tempted by sin so that we might not be hardened. And it's something that we're called to do every day.
1: You know, Pastor Daniel, it reminds me of... How I've been reading it at night for Josiah as he's going to bed, the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and we're in The Fellowship of the Ring where Frodo has this heavy burden that he is tasked to, to carry and he didn't really choose it for himself but it was put upon him and if he was alone in that and there are some times where he, he wishes that he was alone because he doesn't want other friends of his to be caught up in his same perils and, and mm-hmm. problems but his friends say, no, we're in this with you. Um, we are your friends and we want to help you carry this load forward, this burden. And then we find the fellowship of, you know, unlikely friends coming together and all with that same mission and goal in mind going forward. And I think that is a beautiful picture of what God calls us to do, that, you know, we have that temptation to try and go about life on our own as individuals. But that's foolish Uh, and that's not the way God created us. As you stated in your sermon in the very beginning when God created Adam and when he created mankind, after saying it is good, it is good, it is good, it is very good, we come to that first statement where he says it is not good that man should be alone and that was before the fall that was before sin entered into the world so this is built into the dna of what it means to be human the the very design of god is not that we would be alone or individuals but that we would exist in a society in a community of others like us and these passages are drawing on that principle of wisdom that god would call us to
0: yeah you're exactly right from the beginning uh, we see that need to be created for companionship with other people. And and we also see that here in regards to being created for that encouragement, that companionship that we find in community. Uh, The preacher here says in verse 11, again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And there he's obviously talking about a physical warmth that you get from culling up with another person. Uh, But we need to be encouraged and we need to be lifted up in our spirits especially when our hearts grow cold when our faith feels weak when our desire to follow jesus is wavering as we face the pressures of this world and our own sin we need people that could come alongside us and help encourage us and warm us up in the faith again right friends who will be praying for us friends who could encourage us with scripture and remind us of the promises of god you know people that could come alongside of us in this journey and help lift us up in our spirits so that we're not cold towards the things of God or cold towards the things that He's calling us to, but we might be zealous again for good works and to follow Jesus.
1: Now, as you're saying that, Pastor Daniel, logically, if we are feeling weak and cold in our faith, then it it might be in part because we are unwisely keeping ourselves from the community of faith, or we're not taking advantage of those opportunities that God puts before us in the church or in life. And so uh, it's just reminding us to take advantage of those things. And sometimes it's kind of this uh, downward spiral where you feel cold and weak and lifeless. And so instead of going out and being among people, you retreat and burrow in deeper into your own kind of individualistic sorrow. And that it's even more folly. You know, God would have us to break through that ice in a sense and to go be among our brothers and sisters in Christ and community and let the warmth of their presence, the spirit of God at work in them in that way, enliven us and encourage us and build us up. Is there another
0: image, brother, from Ecclesiastes that speaks about the importance of community? Yes, the last one that we read about is verse 12 where it says, though a man might prevail against one who is alone, Two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And there we see another reason for community. We need protection, we might say. And, you know, one strand by itself can be vulnerable, but if multiple strands are interwoven together, it's a strong cord, right? And here we see in regards to even an attack maybe of someone attacking someone. If you're one-on-one, you might lose that fight. But if you have someone at your side or a whole crew at your side, You might be able to withstand an attack and and there we see the need for brothers and sisters who would be knitted together in love and a common faith in christ who could help us to fight against the things that we fight against as christians you know the battle that we have as believers is a battle that is too strong for any individual christian Mm -hmm. right we battle our flesh we battle the world and we battle the devil we believe in spiritual warfare that that there is an ancient foe who is fighting against the church who wants to see me and you brother and the Church of Jesus falling into sin and discouraged and beaten down and condemned and in this fight we're by ourselves we're a very spiritually vulnerable place I like how our Heidelberg Catechism puts it when we're praying that petition of the Lord's Prayer deliver us from evil the question is you know what do we mean when we pray this petition and the answer is By ourselves, we're too weak to hold our own, even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, make us strong by the strength of your Holy Spirit, so that we might not go down to defeat in this spiritual battle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we attain the full victory. We see in the Lord's Prayer and in this text that that fight is a communal fight. right? We're not fighting by ourselves. We're praying together, deliver us from evil. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a communal fight that we're to be in because the Word of God tells us here in Ecclesiastes, we're stronger together.
1: Mm. Amen. So true. And it reminds me of a couple of things. One, I've been personally blessed to have two very good friends from my youth, Sean Murray and Brad Durant. If they're listening, brothers, I love you. And uh, so thankful to God for you. But we've often called ourselves the cord of three strands mm-hmm. is not easily broken. And it's just beautiful how the Lord has brought us together. And even though now at this point we're in different locations in the United States, but we still call one another, we pray for one another, we encourage one another. And we look back at some of the most difficult trying circumstances in life. You know, these are the brothers that have come alongside me to lift me up, to support me. And myself coming alongside them at times as well. so critical, so important. Another anecdote is back in my college days, I had the privilege of being part of Reformed University Fellowship, and one of the things that Pastor in Stockhouse uh, did with us young men is we watched together the series Band of Brothers, uh, HBO series, and he, through that, spoke to us about the need and the importance of having a band of brothers. Because like you were saying, Pastor Daniel, we are in a spiritual warfare, a fight. The enemies are bigger and stronger than we ourselves can fight off on our own. And we need one another. We need to have that band of brothers to go about our days, to have that extra support, the encouragement, the camaraderie from our brothers and sisters in the Lord to press on together. Because, yeah, the struggle is real, as we often say. So, brother, how is God's truth, as presented in this text, renewing and shaping your own heart?
0: Well, first, just to highlight the ways that it's correcting me. Like you mentioned earlier, I'm tempted like you at times to isolate myself when I'm sad or discouraged or struggling with my wife, Brooke, in marriage or feeling defeated as a dad. My natural impulse isn't always to reach out for help. It's not always to ask for prayer, but it's to retreat in my own sadness at times or just try to work through the issues by myself with the Lord. Mm. Um, And so that's that's an issue for me. Uh, I'm also tempted to settle for shallow relationships with other people, even people that I care about. And it's more comfortable to just talk about the things of the world and to not share your heart. And I'm tempted to to not go deep with others because, you know, Mm. it's an investment and it takes a lot out of you to pour out your heart. But in this text, I'm reminded that I can't do either of those things, Mm. right? God calls me to live in the light and part of what that means is living in community where people see the true me right and for Brooke and myself a couple of years ago when we were struggling in our marriage uh, we reached out for help we got marriage counseling and that was humbling but it was one of the most strengthening things in my life personally and also for our marriage as we you know reached out to people outside of ourselves inside the church and outside of the church to speak into our life and to help us see the things that we couldn't see ourselves or why we were struggling in our marriage and that was a real blessing for us so I see in this text that call to live in that genuine community where we're fully known and fully loved as we considered earlier from the Psalms
1: I think what you're saying there Pastor Daniel about having friends that you can go deep with is so important because you know on social media it gives us the illusion that I have 3,000 friends right (laughs) but (laughs) of those friends how many actually know Mm the joys and the burdens of my life each week or each day, you know, very few, very few. Mm -hmm. And I am fortunate to have a few friends that do know those things and that I can share those things with. But sadly, I think a lot of people don't. They haven't taken that time to invest in others or others haven't reached out to invest in them in that way. And yeah, you can have 3,000, 5,000 friends or followers on social media, but maybe you don't have three friends that really know what's going on in your life to pray for you to love you to invest in you and to help counsel you through those challenges that you're going through and god's word would call us to have a few really good friends far more than having thousands of friends that are just on the surface right so I, too, am very much corrected by this text and reminded of the wisdom of going deep with a few really good friends and trying to deepen the, the relationships that I have as well in the church, because that is our spiritual family, and we should go deep with one another to lift one another up in those ways.
0: As you are speaking, I was also thinking about, you know, even our Lord Jesus, when he was here on earth, is full humanity, right? God in human flesh. He, he, had, he had many followers, but he had 12 disciples, and even there— We see jesus revealing his heart i think of the upper room in john 14 through 17 and how he's intimately and personally kind of sharing his heart with these friends that he loves and that he's going to the cross for Mm. right and just the wisdom that you see even in jesus modeling the things that he tells us in the word Mm. Um, but part of the ways this text also comforts us is again it's it's pointing us to god's life-giving design in the midst of a culture that's telling us just to live on our own islands, to be connected virtually, to have these shallow relationships as you just mentioned. In in that kind of culture that we're living in, God's Word comes as a challenge but also as a refreshment to show us that there is life and blessing in God's design. When we're living in, in this community of faith, we're actually experiencing the joy of true community that He created us for. And we see that especially in the church where we see this unity of brothers and sisters, from all these different walks of life coming because they're united in one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father, who is over all and through all and in all. Uh, And we see the beauty of that in the church. But I think most important we see in this text, the friend of sinners that all of us need as Christians and as individuals, it's Jesus. That's who we're appointed to ultimately in this text and in the word of God, this call to be living in union with Christ. And we see that Jesus is the one who is able to be near to us when no one else is. You know, churches and, and friendships and many other things might let us down because we're all sinners in this community of faith. But Jesus doesn't let his church down. He doesn't let us down. And he knows how to protect us as his sheep. He's promised to do that. John chapter 10, he says, none will snatch them out of my hand. In, in Luke chapter 22, he reminds us that, that he prays for us when our faith is weak and and tested as well, just like he prayed for Peter. In Isaiah 49, we're told that this servant of God, Jesus, knows how to bring life and encouragement to us. Uh, Isaiah 50 uh, verse four says, The Lord God has given to me a tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Mm-hmm. That's who Jesus is for us. Mm-hmm. He's our very life. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the Lord is not just near to his church in general, this big body of believers, but He's near to every single individual Christian. Psalm 121 says he's not only the keeper of Israel, but he says the Lord is your keeper. He personalizes that to remind us that even today as we're listening to this podcast, going about our ordinary work, maybe even feeling alone and isolated in some way, uh, the most important thing that we are to do is not just to get plugged into a community of faith here on earth, but to go to Jesus, the friend of sinners, to call out to him, to ask him for the help that we need in the area of life we're in, to refresh our hearts, to encourage us, to lift us up. He's the friend of sinners that never leaves us. In every season of life, in every part of our life, Jesus is the one who's with us. And so we can take great joy and comfort in that.
1: As you mentioned that, Pastor Daniel, it reminds me of how the disciples of Jesus were greatly distraught and conflicted in their heart when he told them, in john in the upper room there in john's gospel that he was going away mm. he was going to the father you know he they had the personal experience of walking with jesus getting to know him uh, personally one-on-one and they're being discipled by him in the group of the 12. and so they knew all of those things that you were just talking about in a very personal level and the idea of him leaving mm. was d- greatly distressing for them yeah. and perhaps those of us now and on this side of jesus death and resurrection are asking the same question you know well, how is it that jesus is a friend to sinners today Um, we don't have the privilege of walking with him and talking with him in the same ways that they did and what jesus talks about there and the way he explains it in in the upper room discourse is that it's better that he left to go with the father so that now From his high place in glory, he is able to send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is the Comforter, and the Spirit of God brings the very presence of Jesus to the heart of every believer. And so we have this direct line of access to Jesus, the friend of sinners, through the Spirit of God, who is our Comforter. And so, yes, Christian, even though you're not able to walk with Jesus as Peter and John and the other apostles did, Well, we have jesus with us by the holy spirit and he does speak to us through his word and through the sacraments and through the community of the brothers and sisters that god has placed us in as well jesus is still present as he promised he is with us to the end of the age Mm -hmm. all those truths that pastor daniel was explaining about jesus they are still true for us in a very real and experiential way as well so brother What are some practical takeaways from all of this for the different people in the life of our church?
0: Yeah, I think the most important and kind of obvious one is that we're meant to be part of a church, right? When you come to the Word of God in the New Testament, especially when the church of God is being formed, you don't see any isolated Christians who are just by themselves with Jesus, you know, living their Christian life. But you see people who come to repent of their sins, trust in Jesus, they're baptized And they're added to this community of faith where they're hearing the word of God, participating in the sacraments, praying together, and showing genuine Christian love to each other and good works, and also in care for their neighbor. And that's what we want every Christian to experience. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not yet part of a church community, uh, this is not just our idea. This is God's word to you that you would be finding a home where you could be a part of a church Especially on the Lord's Day, fellowshipping with God's people and hearing the word and participating in the sacraments, that is God's call to every Christian. If we love Jesus the head, we want to be joined to his body here on earth. That reminds me of thinking about how sometimes we get frustrated
1: at people in society when they're not thriving, they're not prospering financially or just in a worldly sense because they're not taking advantage of the opportunities that are laid before them you know they're not taking advantage of that job that's opened up and and we get frustrated Well, why are you complaining about your life um, circumstances when you're not even taking advantage of all these opportunities laid before you the same thing applies spiritually Mm -hmm. right in the sense that there are these opportunities that we as a church and and churches, healthy churches, are providing for Christians all around the world. And if you're not thriving spiritually, maybe it's because you're not taking advantage mm. of some of those great opportunities that are laid before you to get better connected, to be rooted in your community of faith, to get to know one another all the more, and let others know you, too, to help you and build you up and encourage you in the faith. And so... Again, we just admonish and encourage you to take advantage of these opportunities that we as a church are providing for you, or if you're listening and you're far away from us, get plugged into your local church, get to know the people there, and open up your heart to them as well, because they need you.
0: That's right. As you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, right? the, the, the message of the culture today is a, a rhythm that is focused on ourselves. And one of the most countercultural things that we can do as Christians is to be people of community, right? On the Lord's Day, throughout the week, making it a part of our rhythm to plug in with other believers. Maybe that's attending a Bible study or a fellowship night or some kind of service opportunity with a church where we can get plugged in. And that's part of our rhythm every week where we're not just there on Sundays, but throughout the week in some meaningful ways, we have it as part of our rhythm of genuine Christian community and we have various things that we do at our church to create that rhythm and things that we're offering. Um, but that's that's part of what God is calling us to, is to to live in that community throughout the week. But sometimes this could be more, you know, personal too. You know, maybe there's people that you know that you've been wanting to reach out to in the church that you want to develop a relationship with, or maybe you want to encourage them. And, you know, part of community is just calling them up, maybe inviting them out for a coffee, mm-hmm. dropping them in and and bringing them something nice, some flowers or some candy or something that they might enjoy just to, just to show that love and to start building those bonds. Maybe it's mentoring someone who's younger in the church, a young woman, a new believer. Uh, there's different ways that as a community of faith, we're to be using our gifts and our times to help create that culture of community in our church.
1: Yeah, you know, as you mentioned that there are times when brothers and sisters have brought food to our house. Mm-hmm. You know, when we are sick, or brought different gifts and personally delivered them, when those brothers and sisters brought those Mm -hmm. gifts personally with that personal note or a card in the mail Mm -hmm. wishing us a happy anniversary, et cetera, Mm -hmm. that the Lord worked on my heart Mm -hmm. and increased my love and joy and gratitude in ways that the countless Amazon (laughs) packages that have arrived at my door have never done, right? amazon has no real connection or love for me i mean they just want my money in a sense right and that's fine in the business world but i don't need just more products i need brothers and sisters that love me i need a sense of belonging that i belong somewhere and that others love me and that i love them and that we are connected we're in this together You know, in the gospel, we see that God did not stay hidden in his glory, but we see that he entered down into our misery, into our problems through the person of Jesus Christ. And John talks about this in his first uh, letter, which ties into fellowship, too. And I want to read a few of those verses. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, speaking about Jesus, the very Son of God, the life eternal made manifest, he says, and we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. Why, he says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That communal sense that we want to see others join in the great, beautiful fellowship that we have. The Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit have pulled us in to the fellowship of the Holy Trinity in a very familial, communal sense and given us eternal life to dwell and abide with God forevermore and it is our joy and privilege to invite others into that as well that our fellowship would be all the more enriched by sinners saved by grace grafted into this family of god this is kind of the the eschatological end you know that we're looking forward Mm. to this this beautiful community that we find in revelation described this great multitude all united all together worshiping god and with one mind and one heart and the joy of the salvation that we have, that we've been brought into the very fellowship of God by His love and His grace. Amen. So, Pastor Daniel, as we bring this podcast episode to a close, do you have any particular verses that you'd like to recommend to meditate on and keep with us?
0: Yeah, I think maybe just Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9, a short verse, but a simple and beautiful verse. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. That's great.
1: Two are better than one. That statement, as simple as it is, very Mm countercultural and also refreshing because we do find, as we experience that, when we are together, there's more than just one of us. It is a good thing, and Mm -hmm. we do reap that reward together we've experienced that a bit as well today as we've talked together as we've prayed together it has been a delightful and enriching conversation so thank you again brother and hopefully it's been a blessing to you all as well we'll touch base with you again next week as we come back for more midweek musings